Chapter 18 of At the Time Appointed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. At the Time Appointed by A. Maynard Barbour. Chapter 18 On the Divide. Summer had merged into autumn. Crisp, exhilarating mornings ushered in glorious days flooded with sunshine, followed by sparkling, frosty nights. The strike at the mining camp had been adjusted. The Union boarding house, after two months, was found a failure and abandoned, and the strikers gradually returned to their work. Mr. Underwood, during the shutdown, had improved the time to enlarge the mill and add considerable new machinery this work was now nearly completed in two weeks the mill would again be running and he offered darrell his old position as assayer in charge which the latter somewhat to mr underwood's surprise accepted although his city business was now quite well established darrell felt that life at the pines was becoming unendurable walcott's visits were now so frequent it was impossible longer to avoid him. The latter's air of easy self-assurance, the terms of endearment which fell so flippantly from his lips, and his bold, passionate glances which never failed to bring the rich warm blood to Kate's cheeks and brow, all to one possessing Darrell's fine chivalric nature and his delicacy of feeling were intolerable. In addition, the growing indications of Kate's unhappiness, the silent appeal in her eyes, the pathetic curves forming about her mouth, and the touch of pathos in the voice, whose every tone was music to his ear, seemed at times more than he could bear. There were hours, silent, brooding hours of the night, when he was sorely tempted to defy past and future alike, and, despite the conditions surrounding himself, to rescue her from a life which could have in store for her nothing but bitterness and sorrow but with the dawn his better judgment returned conscience inexorable as ever still held sway he kept his own counsel as in duty bound going his way with a heart that grew heavier day by day and was hence glad of an opportunity to return once more to the seclusion of the mountains Kate, realizing that all further appeal to her father was useless, as a last resort trusted to Walcott's sense of honor, that, when he should fully understand her feelings towards himself, he would discontinue his attentions. But in this she found herself mistaken. Taking advantage of the courtesy which she extended to him in accordance with the promise given her father, he pressed his suit more ardently than ever. "'Why do you persist in annoying me in this manner?' she demanded one day, indignantly withdrawing from his attempted caresses. "'The fact that my father has given you his permission to pay attention to me does not warrant any such familiarity on your part.' "'Perhaps not,' Walcott replied in his low musical tones but stolen waters are often sweetest if i have offended pardon i supposed my love for you would justify me in offering any expression of it 
but since you say i have no right to do so i beg of you my dear miss underwood to give me that right that is impossible kate answered firmly why impossible he asked because i will not accept any expressions of a love that i cannot reciprocate love begets love he argued softly so long as you keep me at arm's length you have no means of knowing whether or not you could reciprocate my affection mr underwood has done me the great honor to consent to bestow his daughter's hand upon me and i have no doubt of yet winning the consent of the lady herself if she will but give me a fair chance mr walcott said kate her eyes ablaze with indignation would you make a woman your wife who did not love you who never could under any circumstances love you walcott suddenly seized her hands in his looking down into her eyes with his steady dominant gaze if i loved her as i love you he said slowly i would make her my wife though she hated me and win her love afterwards i can win it and i will never kate exclaimed passionately but he had kissed her hands and was gone before she could recover herself in that look she had for the first time comprehended something of the man's real nature of the powerful brute force concealed beneath the smooth smiling exterior her heart seemed seized and held in a vice-like grip while a cold benumbing despair settled upon her like an incubus which she was unable to throw off for days it lacked only two days of the time set for darrell's return to the mining camp when he and kate set out one afternoon accompanied by duke for a ride up the familiar canyon road at first their ponies cantered briskly but as the road grew more rough and steep they were finally content to walk quietly side by side for a while neither darrell nor kate had much to say their hearts were too oppressed for words each realized that this little jaunt into the mountains was their last together that it constituted a sort of farewell to their happy life of the past summer and to each other each was thinking of their first meeting under the pines on that evening gorgeous with the sunset rays and sweet with the breath of june roses at last they turned into a trail which soon grew so steep and narrow that they dismounted and fastening their ponies proceeded up the trail on foot slowly they wended their way upward pausing at length on a broad projecting ledge a little below the summit where they seated themselves on the rocks to rest a while kate's eyes wandered afar over the wonderful scene before them wrapped in unbroken silence yet palpitating in the mellow golden sunlight with a mysterious life and beauty all its own but darrell was for once oblivious to the scene his eyes were fastened on kate's face a look in them of insatiable hunger as though he were storing up the memory of every line and lineament against the barren days to come he wondered if the silent calm-faced self-contained woman beside him could be the laughing joyous maiden whom he had seen flitting among the trees and fountains 
at their first meeting little more than three months past he recalled how he had then thought her unlike either her father or her aunt and believed her to be wholly without their self-restraint and self-repression now he saw that the same stoical blood was in her veins already the sensitive mobile face which had mirrored every emotion of the impulsive sympathetic soul within bore something of the impassive calm of the rocks surrounding them it might have been chiselled in marble so devoid was it at that moment of any trace of feeling a faint sigh seemed to break the spell and she turned facing him with her old-time sunny smile what a regal day she exclaimed it is he replied it was on such a day as this about a year ago that i first met mr Britton. he called it i remember one of the coronation days of the year i have been reminded of the phrase and of him all day dear mr Britton," said kate i have not seen him for more than two years he has always been like a second father to me he used to have me call him papa when i was little and i've always loved him next to papa you and he correspond do you not yes he writes rather irregularly but his letters are precious to me he was the first to make me feel that this cramped fettered life of mine held any good or anything worth living for he made me ashamed of my selfish sorrow and every message from him no matter how brief seems like an inspiration to something higher and nobler he makes us all conscious of our selfishness kate answered for if ever there was an unselfish life a life devoted to the alleviation of the sufferings and sorrows of others it is his i wish he were here now she added with a sigh he has more influence with papa than all the rest of us combined though perhaps nothing even he might say would be availing in this instance in all their friendly intercourse of the last few weeks there had been one subject tacitly avoided by each to which although present in the mind of each no reference was ever made from kate's last words darrell knew that subject must now be met he must know from her own lips the worst he turned sick with dread and remained silent a moment later kate again faced him with a smile but her eyes glistened with unshed tears poor papa she said softly her lips quivering he thinks he is doing it all for my happiness and no matter what wretchedness or misery i suffer no knowledge of it shall ever pain his dear old heart katie must it be darrell exclaimed each word vibrating with anguish is there no hope no chance of escape for you from such a fate i cannot see the slightest reason to hope for escape she replied with the calmness born of despair she clasped her small hands tightly and turned a pale determined face towards darrell you know you understand it all and i know that you do she said so there is no use in our avoiding this any longer i want to talk it over with you and tell you all the truth so you will not think 
by and by that I have been false or fickle or weak, but first there is something I want you to tell me. She paused a moment, then looking him full in the eyes, she asked earnestly, John Darrell, do you still love me? Startled out of his customary self-control, Darrell suddenly clasped her in his arms, exclaiming, Katie, darling, how can you ask such a question? Do you think my love for you could ever grow less? For a moment her head nestled against his breast, with a little movement of ineffable content, as she replied, No, it was not that I doubted your love but I wanted an assurance of it to carry with me through the coming days. Then, gently withdrawing herself from his embrace, she continued in the same calm, even tones. You ask if there is no chance of escape. I can see absolutely none. But I want you to understand, if I am forced into this marriage which papa has planned for me, that it is not through any weakness or cowardice on my part, that if I yield it will be simply because of the love and reverence I bear my father. Though her face was slightly averted, Darrell could see the teardrops falling, but after a slight pause she proceeded as calmly as before. In all these years he has tried to be both father and mother to me, and even in this he thinks he is acting for my good. I have never disobeyed him, and were I to do so now, I believe it would break his heart. I am all that he has left, and after what he has suffered in his silent Spartan way, I must bring joy, not sorrow, to his declining years, and this will be my only reason for yielding. But, Katie, dear child, Darrell interposed, have you considered what such a life means to you? what is involved in such a sacrifice she met his troubled gaze with a smile yes i know she replied there is not a phase of this affair which i have not considered i am years older than when we met three months ago and i have thought of everything that a woman can think of she watched him a moment the smile on her lips deepening have you considered this she asked only those whom we love have the power to wound us deeply one whom i do not love will have little power to hurt me he can never reach my heart that will be safe in your keeping darrell bowed his head upon his hands with a low moan kate laying her hand lightly upon his shoulder continued what i particularly wanted you to know before our parting and to remember is this that come what may i shall never be false to my love for you no matter what the future may bring to you or to me my heart will be yours darrell raised his head his face tense and rigid with emotion she had risen and was standing beside him i can never forgive myself for having won your heart katie he said gravely it is the most precious gift that i could ask or you could bestow, but one to which I have no right. Then hold it in trust, she said softly, until such time as I have the right to bestow it upon you, and you have the right to accept it. 
Startled not only by her words, but by the gravity of her tone and manner, Darrell glanced swiftly towards Kate, but she had turned and was slowly climbing the mountain path. Springing to his feet, he was quickly at her side. Drawing her arm within his own, he assisted her up the rocky trail, scanning her face as he did so for some clue to the words she had just spoken. But, excepting a faint flush, which deepened under his scrutiny, she gave no sign, and the trail for the next half-hour being too difficult to admit of conversation, they made the ascent in silence. On reaching the summit, an involuntary exclamation burst from Darrell at the grandeur of the scene. Northwest and south, far as the eye could reach, stretched the vast mountain ranges unbroken, with here and there gigantic peaks, snow-crowned, standing in bold relief against the sky, while far to the eastward lay the valleys, threaded with silver streams, and beyond them in the purple distance outlines of other ranges, scarcely distinguishable from the clouds against which they seemed to rest. Kate watched Darrell silently enjoying his surprise. "'This is my favorite resort, on the summit of the Divide,' she said. I thought you would appreciate it. It involves hard climbing, but it is worth the effort. Worth the effort, yes, a thousand times. What must it be to see the sunrise here? Lifted out of themselves, they wandered over the rocks, picking the late flowers which still lingered in the crevices, watching the shifting beauty of the scene from various points, for a time forgetful of their trouble till, looking in each other's eyes, they read the final farewell underlying all, and the old pain returned with tenfold intensity. Seating themselves on the highest point accessible, they talked of the future, ignoring so far as possible the one dreaded subject, speaking of Darrell's life in the mining camp, of his studies, and of what he hoped to accomplish, and of certain plans of her own. Duke, after an extended tour among the rocks, came and lay at their feet, watching their faces with anxious solicitude, quick to read their unspoken sorrow, though unable to divine its cause. At last the little that could be said had been spoken. They paused, their hearts oppressed with the burden of what remained unsaid, which no words could express. Duke, perplexed by the long silence, rose and, coming to Kate's side, stood looking into her eyes with mute inquiry. As Kate caressed the noble head, she turned suddenly to Darrell. "'John, would you like to have Duke with you? Will you take him as a parting gift from me?' "'I would like to have him above anything you could give me, Katie,' he replied. "'But you must not think of giving him up to me.' "'I will have to give him up,' she said simply. Papa dislikes him already. He is so unfriendly to Mr. Walcott, and he himself absolutely hates Duke. I believe he would kill him if he dared. So you understand I could not keep him much longer. He will be happy with you, for he loves you, and I will be happy in remembering that you have him. In that case, said Darrell, I shall be only too glad to take him, and you can rest assured I will never part with him. The sinking sun warned them that it was time to return, 
and after one farewell look about them they prepared to descend. As they picked their way back to the trail they came upon two tiny streams flowing from some secret spring above them. Side by side, separated by only a few inches, they rippled over their rocky bed, murmuring to each other in tones so low that only an attentive ear could catch them, sparkling in the sunlight as though for very joy. Suddenly, near the edge of the narrow plateau over which they ran, they turned, and with a tinkling splash of farewell, plunged in opposite directions, the one eastward, hastening on its way to the great father of waters, the other westward bound towards the land of the setting sun. Silently Kate and Darrell watched them. As their eyes met, his face had grown white, but Kate smiled, though the tears trembled on the golden lashes. "'A fit emblem of our loves, Katie,' Darrell said sadly. "'Yes,' she replied, but her clear voice had a ring of triumph. "'A fit emblem, dear, for though parted now, they will meet in the commingling of the oceans.' just as by and by our loves will mingle in the great ocean of love. I can imagine how those two little streams will go on their way, as we must go, each joining in the labor and song of the rivers as they meet them, but each preserving its own individuality until they find one another in the ocean currents, as we shall find one another some day. Katie said darrell earnestly drawing nearer to her have you such a hope as that it is more than hope she answered it is assurance an assurance that came to me i know not whence or how out of the darkness of despair they had reached the trail and here kate paused for a moment it was a picture for an artist the pair standing on that solitary height, the young girl fair and slender as the wild flowers clinging to the rocks at their feet, yet with a poise of conscious strength, the man at her side, broad-shouldered, deep-chested, strong-limbed, his face dark with despair, hers lighted with hope. Suddenly a small white hand swept the horizon with a swift undulatory motion that reminded Darrell of the flight of some white-winged bird, and Katie cried, "'Did we think of the roughness and steepness of the path below when we stood here two hours ago and looked on the glory of this scene? Did we stop to think of the bruises and scratches of the ascent, of how many times we had stumbled, or of the weariness of the way? No, it was all forgotten.' And so when we come to stand together, by and by, upon the heights of love, such love as we have not even dreamt of yet, will we then look back upon the tears, the pain, the heartache of to-day? Will we stop to recount the sorrows through which we climbed to the shining heights? No, they will be forgotten in the excess of joy." Darrell gazed at Kate in astonishment. Her head was uncovered, and the rays of the sinking sun touched with gleams of gold the curling locks which the breeze had blown about her face, till they seemed like a golden halo. She had the look of one who sees within the veil 
which covers mortal faces she seemed at that moment something apart from earth taking her hand in his he asked brokenly sweetheart will that day ever come and when her eyes luminous with love and hope rested tenderly upon his shadowed face as she replied at the time appointed and that will be god's own good time for you and me end of chapter eighteen read by lars rolander